Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. We are looking at Job's response to the speech of um, Bildad, which took place in chapter 8. And if you remember, Bildad was quite cut in in his remarks to Job. Uh, And Job uh, is kind of taking this chapter to ask the question, what is the use? And we've seen him um, over the past few weeks say, what is the use of pleading? What is the the use of praying? And tonight we're going to look at what is the use of pursuing. Um, He said, what's the point in pleading with God? If if I kind of went to court to um, defend myself or bring a case against God, I just couldn't do it. You know, you can't stand up to him. You can't argue with him to say, hey, I'm right, you were wrong. What is the use of pleading? Last week then, he basically said, what is the use of praying? Uh, I had called in verse 16 and he answered me, yet would I not believe that he hearkened unto my voice. We understand that Job is in a situation that is beyond belief. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. You think if, if we were to put ourselves in that position, um, you know, how would we have reacted? It's easy for us to stand back now and say, oh, well, I can't believe Job doubted God and I can't believe um, his friends would have reacted in that way and I can't believe his friends said this to him. But we have the hindsight of realising that, uh, you know, the conversation that took place in heaven. Uh, we have the privilege of being on a, a, a private conversation that Job and his friends were completely and utterly unaware of. His friends thought that Job was being punished because of his unrighteousness and because of his sinfulness. Um, We understand that Job is not being punished because of his unrighteousness. And he's not necessarily being tested because of his righteousness. If anything, it's the devil um, who is the one that's kind of being tested because God said to the devil, Hast thou considered my servant Job? I've seen you looking at him. The devil said, oh, the only reason Job is falling here is because he's got all of this and because he's got his health. And the Lord said, okay, um, I'll allow you to take his wealth. I'll allow you to take his materials, his possession, his family, even his health. But you don't take his life. Um, so we have the privilege of kind of looking at this from a completely different angle than Job did. So if we were in this position and, and we have been in positions where we've said to God, why? I don't understand this. This is not fair. Why has this happened? And why is everybody else getting away with stuff? And I'm kind of being picked on. Um, So Job is basically, especially after Bildad's brutal um, um, kind of assessment of things, Job is basically, what what is the use then? You know, what's the use in pleading with God? Because I just can't get through, if you like. What's the point of praying? Because he just doesn't hear me. What is the point of pursuing? And there's, there's a few things that we see um, Job saying, what is, the, what is the, the, the point in pursuing these? What's the use? He says, what is the use in pursuing purity? You know, he was a, an upright man. He was a man that eschewed evil. He was a man that tried as best as he could to protect his eyes, to not look at a maid, to make sure that he even offered sacrifices for his family just in case they did something that was displeasing to the Lord. So this, you know, this wasn't a man um, who uh, was flippant in his walk with the Lord. This wasn't a man who played fast and loose with the laws of God and kind of found every loophole he could um, to get away with stuff. This was a man who was upright. This was a man who absolutely hated evil and, you know, he wanted to do everything he could 
to please the Lord. But now he basically says, what's the point in doing that? What is the point in pursuing purity? And if you look at verse 20, he says, if I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul, I would despise my life. He says in verse 28, I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. Even if Job proclaimed his innocence, what he's saying is, is I'm a sinner. You know, he wasn't getting away from the fact that he was a sinner. He wasn't claiming um, to be spotless or perfect. Um, He recognised the fact that his own mouth would condemn him. If he proclaimed his innocence, he said, well, my own mouth then is saying, well, I'm guilty because you're not innocent because you are um, a sinner. Even though he'd done nothing wrong and was guiltless, it didn't make any difference because he felt that the Lord would still declare him guilty. And, and Job speaks about using snow water as a, as a cleanser. Uh, any of you ever seen, um, you know, like a glacier? You've seen a, a, when a glacier carves and uh, sometimes the, the water um, that is at the, uh, surrounding those, um, um, you know, the, those glaciers and the, the water that is right next to an iceberg and is absolutely spotlessly clear. It's like the clearest water you could possibly imagine. Uh, And, you know, no matter what Job did to cleanse himself, even if he washed himself in snow water, even if you, have you ever seen that first fall of snow when everything looks absolutely perfectly white before any cars have churned it up to slush, before anybody's walked on it and it's spotless. It's like, almost like glistening, you know, you shine your light on it and it's like somebody's just come out and sprinkled glitter dust all over it. Um, and it is, you know, like you, I suppose you, you couldn't get any purer a form of water. And Job is saying no matter what he did to clean himself up, Job felt that the Lord would just throw him into a muddy ditch and even his clothes um, would hate him. Um, because in vain, He was trying to have integrity. He was trying to be clean. He was trying to be pure. And he was basically saying, what is the point in pursuing purity? Job's expressing the sentiment because you you can almost feel, as the chapters go on, you can almost see the wind come out of Job's sails and you can almost see him deflating bit by bit. And it just seems to get more and more and more discouraged and defeated. And then... You can almost feel Job becoming angry. These are his feelings, but they're not accurate. Yes, all men are sinners, that's true. But God offers forgiveness to those um, who seek and repent. Then there's forgiveness available to everybody. And Job is, is, in a way, misrepresenting the Lord because these sentiments are coming from a man who's literally come to the end of his rope. This is a man who has come to the end of his tether. The life that he sees on the horizon is, is bleak. And he's basically saying, what's the point? What's the use? There's no purpose. There's many believers who entertain these same thoughts. 
When it comes to doing right and when it comes to living a godly life, maybe we say, well, what's the point? The world is getting wickeder and wickeder. We see, you know, the, the, the wicked get away with everything. Almost now, you know, the, um, the, the perpetrator becomes the victim and the victim becomes the accused. And it, 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 the world is just upside down. And I think sometimes the believer just thinks, well, what's the point? What's the point in maintaining a testimony? What's the point in standing out? What's the point in being pure? What's the point? We may as well just live like the world and have fun while we're doing it. What's the use? Sometimes people have made mistakes in their past and maybe they think, well, there's, there's nothing I can do about that. You know, the Lord will never forgive me. I'll never be able to be used of him. And So what's the point? I may as well just keep going. You ever found that maybe when you were younger, you got yourself into trouble and you get to a point where you're like a petrified of getting caught. I don't mind looking at you, you're perfect. Um, you're petrified of getting caught and then you came to a point where you thought, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble anyway, so I may as well make it a good one. Sometimes people get to that point in their Christian walk where they think, well... I'm literally hanging on by a thread. So what's the use? Can I say this to you? If you're hanging on by a thread, make sure it's the hem of his garment. Because that's the only place we need to be. Giving up and indulging in sin, sinful living is not going to make anyone happier. You know, how many times have you know, we, we seen that one sin just leads to another, to another, to another. Uh, and it only makes matters worse. Peter said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lusts, which war against the soul. You know, we may get to a point where we think, oh, I'm struggling with my walk. What's the point in maintaining my testimony? What's the point in pursuing purity? The things are just not working out. Prayers are just not being answered. I don't seem to be, you know, walking this straight and narrow path, so blow it. But we do that. How can we ever expect God's blessings on our lives then? It's only going to add to more regret and more remorse and it's just going to make matters worse. We recognise the fact that there's forgiveness and grace found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can understand his error? Psalm 19.12 says, Cleanse thou me from secret faults. If we embrace and accept God's grace... That'll help us get back onto our spiritual feet. If you can go back to the time and remember the moment you got saved. uh, And I can remember it now. um, The burden that was lifted off my shoulders. I can't explain it. And I don't probably it's hard to explain to anybody unless they've experienced that. You seem to be so weighed down by the burden of sin. And it's like... When you accept Christ as your saviour, you give that burden to him and he just says, come here, I'll take that. And you can't even begin to explain that to anybody else. It's just like this weight of the whole world has come off your shoulders. If we remember how that felt back then, when we get to a point where we feel like giving up and we feel like there's no hope, we need to get back to the point of remembering God's grace to say, okay, I can't get through this, Lord. But I need you to lift that burden again. And he says, come unto me all ye that labour and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He's the great burden bearer. 
Uh, and, you know, we need to just embrace God's grace. We accepted it at the point of salvation and, and felt incredible, felt on top of the world, felt like we could kind of do anything. But it's almost as if we forget that salvation experience and then we start bearing our own burdens again. And before we know it, we're so weighed down with the burden of guilt, with the burden of sin, with the burden of um, distress, um, discouragement, um, bitterness, anger, whatever it is. Paul said to Timothy, flee youthful lusts, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Paul is basically saying to Timothy, look, when you're tempted to flee from purity, run back to it. What you need to flee is youthful lusts and you need to embrace righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Job is saying, what is the point in pursuing purity? And Paul is saying there's every point. In pursuing purity. Practicing purity. Is important when it comes to living. The victorious Christian life. When it comes to having a good testimony. Purity and and maintaining our testimony. Is like having an extra shield of protection on us. When it comes to Satan's fiery darts. You say well isn't the shield of faith big enough to kind of. Protect us from those darts. Sometimes it's, the problem's not with the shield. The problem's with the bearer of the shield. <laughs> Our faith struggles. But purity can be an extra portion of protection. And I explain. In 1206 in Mongolia, the Mongols were um, united by a young leader by the name of Genghis Khan. You know, we often talk about the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire and even the Babylonian Empire, even the British Empire. Um, but the Mongolian Empire was absolutely huge. So how um, did this tribe um, effectively rule um, in the Middle Ages the whole world? Well, training started when they were really, really young. At the age of two, they knew how to ride a horse. Archers were taught to fire the bow at full speed. When the horse is galloping at full speed, they were taught to fire the bow when all four hooves were off the floor so that you didn't have the bounce then of the hooves hitting the floor so that would give them stability. Um, Genghis ordered all of his soldiers to wear a shirt, not just to wear armour, but underneath the armour, they were to wear shirts of pure, raw silk. Why? The reason for this order was the fact that arrows could not easily penetrate pure, raw silk shirts. The wounded fellow soldiers would gently pull on the silk shirt and the arrow would pop out of the wound. The silk protected the soldier from the tip of the arrow and kept the wound cleaner, thus accelerating the healing process. Purity has the same effect in our own lives. It has a strengthening and shielding effect against temptation. So we might get (coughs) struck by the arrow, but we're not going to get destroyed by the arrow. You know, again, we, we, we talked a little bit about this on Sunday with Joseph. 
um, you know, running from part of his wife. You know, Job is saying, what's the point in pursuing purity? There's every point. Because we are meant to be different. We are um, meant to be a testimony. We are meant to be a witness. We are meant to pursue certain things, purity being one of them, because we are set apart. We are different. We are sanctified. Um, We are children of God, children of the King. We are different. But not only does he say, what's the point in pursuing purity? He also says, what's the point in pursuing peace? He says in verse 24, the earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covereth the faces of the judges thereof. If not, where and who is he? Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. They are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteneth to the prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. Job basically feels there's no point in pursuing peace because the whole world is dominated by the wicked. Uh, He basically blames God for it, stating that God blinds the eyes of the judges who evidently were unjust and corrupt. You know, we we, we kind of see a a little bit of this with Asaph in Psalm 73, where he says, oh, the wicked are prospering, what's the point? And I love the fact that he was frustrated with how the wicked prosper. It says, until he went to the house of the Lord and then he understood their end. The world is a wicked place. Can I say that you don't have to be a rocket scientist? You don't have to be a deep theologian to recognize the fact that the world's a wicked place. Um, But we know that the Lord is ultimately in control. Can I say that the the Lord's got a handle on it? Oh yeah, but you don't understand, you know, that cashless society's coming in and, well, if that's going to happen, that's going to happen. Oh yeah, but we're leading to a one world order. What do you want to do? Stop it. Because Revelation says there's going to be a one world government, there's going to be a one world religion, there's going to be a one world currency. So if God said that's going to happen, why are we getting bent out of shape? We can't stop it. We can tell others about the one who's going to come and take us from all of that. We can tell others about the one who's going to come and put an end to all of that. But sometimes people are so focused on the wickedness around us that they've taken their eyes off the Prince of Peace. Christ has promised us a peace that passes understanding. But we look at the world and, I mean, why anybody watches the news today now is beyond me because it's... Yeah. But that causes us to take our eyes off the Lord. Let's just focus on what his word says and what he says and draw close to him. And this world is a wicked place. And I got some bad news for you. It's going to get even more wicked before the Lord returns. And when he comes for his church for seven years, it's going to get wicked beyond anything that it is now. Because the restraining power of the Holy Spirit is taken away. And the Bible basically says at one point, the Holy Spirit will just step aside and will allow the world to indulge itself in its absolute wickedness. But that doesn't mean that we stop pursuing peace. 
It doesn't mean that we turn around and say, oh, well, the world is wicked, so what's the point? The point is, the more wicked the world becomes, the more we rely upon his peace. When a person becomes depressed or bitter or angry or we kind of lose our senses, the more frustrated Job is getting, the, the kind of more he's taking his eyes off the Lord and is focusing upon everything else. And he's losing the fact that the one who could give him the peace that he so desperately needed in that absolute moment, he's the one that Job has taken his eyes off. Job says how swift life is. You know, he compares his life to a post or a runner or a a swift ship or an eagle that swoops down for its prey. Life goes like that. I'm sure, apart from one or two here tonight, I'm sure most of us would say, where did that go? How did that happen? You know, when you talk to people and, you know, they tell you our birthday's coming up next, you're like, No. Surely not. But life is swift. Life goes by very, very quickly. And Job is seeing his life fleeing away from him, but he finds no happiness. He finds no peace or pleasure. He has nothing but sorrow. You talk about the heaviness and the, the, you know, how distraught he is, that there's no comfort. He's got nothing to smile about. The pain is all-consuming. He feels like he's done nothing wrong, but God is still punishing him. And he, he doesn't understand it at all. And he's basically saying, what's the use? I can't do anything right. So there's, there's no use in talking with God. There's no use in talking to God. There's no use in trying to be like him. There's no use in even trying to get close to him because that peace has just gone. If only Job knew how the Lord truly felt about him. If Job could have just had that glimpse into that conversation in heaven, that would have changed Job's whole perspective. Here's the thing. This is where we have a benefit that Job didn't. We know how God feels about us. We know exactly how much God loves us because that love was demonstrated on a cross. So when we say, what's the use in pleading with God? He wants us to talk to him when we, or talk with him when we say what's the use in praying to God he wants us to talk to him when we say what's the point in pursuing peace he wants us to be in fellowship with him when we say what's the point in pursuing purity he wants us to be like him we know that because he demonstrated how much he loves us he proved what we mean to him Job didn't have that insight Job wasn't privy to that conversation in heaven. So as far as Job was concerned, God was just out to get him and it just wasn't fair. If only he knew. Job viewed all of his problems as a punishment from the Lord. Now here's the thing. You might be going through a problem and it might be your fault. We bring a lot of stuff on ourselves. You might not be where the Lord wants you to be and the Lord might be punishing you for something. That might very well be the case. But just because you're going through a difficulty right now, it doesn't mean that God's chastening hand is upon you. We shouldn't jump to conclusions that God is judging us just because we're going through a trial. You know, we can still have peace in the midst of trials. We can still have joy in the midst of trials. 
we can still feel his presence in the midst of pain and problems and suffering. Because he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Paul said in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's the point in pursuing peace? It's the peace of God that keeps our hearts and minds focused on him. It's the peace of God that kind of helps us stabilise when we're in those situations where we feel like we're just going to collapse and we can't go on. What is the use in pursuing purity? What is the use in pursuing peace? Job even says, what's the use in pursuing a personal relationship with the Lord? He says in verse 17, For he breaketh me with a tempest and multiplieth my wounds without cause. He will not suffer me to take my breath, but filleth me with bitterness. If I speak of strength, lo, he is strong. And if of judgment, who shall set me a time to plead? In verse 22, this is one thing, therefore I said it. He destroyeth the perfect and the wicked. He, if the scourge slays suddenly, he will laugh at the trial of the innocent. Uh, verse 32, for he is not a man as I am that I should answer him and that we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any day's man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me and let not his fear terrify me. The wound I speak and not fear, this then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. What is the use in pursuing a personal relationship with the Lord? And Job continues to express his discouragement and his bitterness with these negative assumptions about the Lord, which brings Job to the ultimate response of what is the point? What is the use? He attacks me. He repeatedly wounds me or beats me for no reason. He won't let me catch my breath. He fills me with bitterness and sorrow. He destroys and laughs at the, at, at the despair and death of the innocent. He is frustrated because he has no way to take the Lord to trial and argue his case. Job is saying this is not fair. So what's the point in having this relationship with him? But he makes an incredible statement in verse 33. He makes a very prophetic statement in verse 33. He wishes for a daysman, um, a judge or a mediator. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. A mediator, an advocate, an intercessor could perhaps bring the two parties together, could bring about a reconciliation, could remove the terror of the Lord. Remember how, you know, God on Mount Sinai, it wasn't like a fluffy, feely kind of presence on Mount Sinai. It was thunder and lightning and the people were petrified. How could you get close to a God like that? The Bible describes God as a consuming fire. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ came, the word became flesh. He was the description of God the Father. 
Job didn't have the ability to approach God on his own in this regard. And neither does anyone. We can't come before the Lord. But we have an advocate with the Father. Christ Jesus, the righteous. The mediator that Job longed for came on the scene about 2,000 years ago. Died upon an old rugged cross. Ascended back to the Father. And intercedes for us today. He's our daysman, our mediator, our intercessor, our advocate. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Because of Christ, we know exactly how God feels about us. And we might say, what's the use in pleading with God? We can because we take our, or the Spirit takes our groanings that can't be uttered. And brings them before the throne. What's the use in praying? We have an advocate with the Father. Christ Jesus the righteous. The words that we can't come up with. I can promise you this. He's able to articulate our thoughts far better than we are. What's the point in pursuing purity? Because he's put the comforter within our hearts. To teach us all things. He's given us his peace that passes all understanding. What's the point in pursuing purity? Because he indwells us through his righteousness, we can do all things. We are set apart. We are separate from the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. What's the point in pursuing a personal relationship with the Lord? Because he wants to. That is the whole purpose for mankind being created. To fellowship with God. Can I say this? That there is no religion in the world where they have the opportunity to fellowship with the deity that they are trying to get to. Because they can never get there. Whether that's a religion, whether that's a cult, whatever it is, it's nothing like Christianity.